Welcome to the Live Wildly podcast, a space where we explore how to live our wildest expressions while nourishing our hearts. Here we come together to share about our life paths, authentic expressions, and heart's wisdom with one another. We cover all things motherhood, spirituality, adventure, health and wellness, and more. I'm your host, Olivia Ashley, a mama, intuitive, and seeker of a joyful, inspired life. Let's dare to live wildly together. Hello, hello. Welcome back. It's so wonderful to be here. I am feeling really good, actually. And that's almost hard to say because the last month has been a challenge. It's been very emotional, very overwhelming. And I was struggling there for a bit. I don't really know why. I know I'm not alone in how I was feeling when I checked in with a lot of my friends. They were feeling too that there was just this sense of discomfort. It was hard to sleep. They were low energy. I was low energy, emotional. I'm so curious if some of you were feeling that too, but I am happy to say that I'm starting to feel like I'm on the other side of it. And I know that getting to feel good and happy, like that is just a bonus in life. I totally don't take it for granted, but I also understand that there are hard days. There's emotional days, there's tiring days and feelings. And I really try to just allow that to come because I used to fight it. I used to feel that I was not okay unless I was positive. I was not okay unless I was really pushing myself to feel like every moment was blissful or I'm trying to reach for that or that there's nothing wrong and then that means I'm okay. And I learned that that isn't right, at least for me, that that is kind of a false narrative I was telling myself. And I learned to accept that the ebbs and flows of life are okay that there's going to be this balancing act of some days I'm not going to be able to get out of bed. I'm going to be sad or upset or just emotional and tired. And I need to allow that to be because in those moments I'm learning, I'm expressing, I'm typically moving or shifting through a lot of energy and I need the space and time for my body to release or look at and integrate whatever's coming up. And then I also am aware that some days I'm going to wake up and I'm going to feel joyful and full of energy and ready to take on the day and just overall happy. But I'd say I'm never quite in either of those states long. I typically ebb and flow and kind of balance somewhere in between. And a lot of that is mindset. A lot of that is doing practices that support myself and eating well and staying hydrated and getting outside and feeling nature. And I've learned how to take care of myself because it didn't used to always feel this simple in a way, even though life is not simple. That's not the word I would choose. But when I reflect on how I'm doing right now, I'm doing okay. I'm feeling happy. I am a summer baby. I am 
born in the mid of July. So I'm a cancer son and I know we just moved into cancer with this last new moon, I believe. And I just feel radiant in that way. I feel like I'm in my home space. I'm such a nurturer and grounded and the sun is shining and it feels like my whole body is lit up. And so I'm riding the wave because I reflect back to how it feels in December. And while I enjoy the cold and everything that that brings, it doesn't quite feel the same. So Yeah, that's where I'm at. And another piece of, I think what is helping me is I am one walking outside every single day. It's an endeavor I've undertaken like a goal or a challenge that I've put forth under myself to get outside, to walk every day outside in nature. And I'm sharing a little video of that and the insight that I get each day on my Instagram So if you're curious, you can follow along there and I, and truly, I hope that it inspires you. I'm doing this just for myself, just to see what happens in honor of my father, who I'm coming up on the one year anniversary of his passing here soon. And it just feels really good for me. And the other piece that I've integrated is I have really stepped up and stepped back into my yoga practice. I know I've talked about that a little bit here and there, especially as I navigate postpartum, but I am on a three-day streak of yoga and I've been doing it at least a couple times a week and my body and my mind and my soul just feel delighted and full of life. And it is the practice that I was missing because my days are full. My mind is full and it's the one time I can roll out a mat, move my body, whether it's following a class, getting into a studio, or just letting myself flow with whatever I want to do and move. It has been just transformative. I can feel it. I got out my mala beads that I got during my time doing my 200 hour certificate and my hope to do a little mala bead meditation here after recording, because again, my heart is just driven and searching and aching for this deeper connection to myself. And it feels really, really good. And that brings me to sharing about the episode today. We have a beautiful guest today. Her name is Krista Davis. And she is the owner of Holistic Yoga School. It was founded in 2012. Krista is a certified yoga teacher. She's actually an experienced registered yoga teacher at the 500 hour, but she has way more experience than that over the 500 hours. She founded this school, like I said, in 2012, and it's all about bringing holism to the classroom, to helping students bring balance to their body, mind, spirit. It is really about creating comfortable environments for students where they can come and learn yoga, meditation, and other holistic practices. Their teaching style draws from various traditions and ancient wisdom delivered with a contemporary style and translation. Their focus is on the practice of yoga as an instrument to reveal greater sense of health, awareness, harmony, and serenity, and all students are welcome. They also do workshops, retreats, and then offer 200 and 300 hour yoga, both immersive and typical teacher trainings 
in-person and hybrid and virtual options available, which was really exciting because I am an alum of the Holistic Yoga School. I did my 200 hour through their program back in 2017 and it was life-changing. I actually have it on my bucket list to go back for a 300 hour at some point. I probably will go back to Holistic Yoga School because Krista and her team do such an incredible job at crafting a container that is sacred, that is community-oriented, that allows you to really understand what yoga is and then how you are within the realm of yoga. It is transformative. It is nourishing. You learn so much amazing information. I go back to my 200 hour binder often to look at the meditations, to look at different asanas, how I can practice. And that is what has informed all of what I do with yoga right now. I you know, lead myself through different flows as I want. I feel very confident in my body, especially with being pregnant. I always went through prenatal classes and workshops to help support my body and yoga has been the foundation. And I want to say it really allowed for healthier, stronger birthing abilities within myself. It helps my body stay aligned, stay strong, open my hips, orient my pelvis, all of those things that you really need in birth. And I went on also to do my 85 hour prenatal certificate, which I'm going to talk about in a future episode, but coming back to holistic yoga school, I just can't thank Krista enough for her wisdom, for her following her path and having this school and this foundation that many, many hundreds of students, if not thousands, have gone through in this last decade with them. And I think you're going to be really delighted by this episode because not only do we talk about yoga and what it is and the foundations, but Krista, just as you listen to her, brings this deep inner heart wisdom that you can just feel as she's talking. She knows yoga. She knows this in and out, and that comes through deeply. And I think it just, it feels good if you're interested in yoga, if you're a long-term yogi and you know a lot about it, I'd say still give it a listen because it has its roots in helping you remember why you're inspired to roll out your mat, how you can bring yoga into your day, and also as a mother, how yoga has helped her and how she can recommend that you too can come back to your yoga practice, even if you are busy, have kids running around, whatever it is, it really is this simplicity that is within the yoga tradition. And she touches a lot about that. So I think this has a lot and I'm really looking forward to hearing what you all think about this episode. And if you at all are feeling inspired to get your certification, even if you don't want to teach, you don't have to teach. I didn't teach for a long time, but it really is a soul journey going through a yoga program. And like I said, I would highly recommend this. And Krista is amazing, delightful, all the things And how I use my certification, if you're curious to do this, but maybe you don't want to teach or you're not sure, you know, what is the journey for you? I just want to say I went into this certification with just wanting a very personal 
experience of I was looking for something that would help me become strong in my body again. I was, gosh, maybe six months to eight months postpartum when I started my certification with them. And that was my intention. I wanted to learn. I wanted to deepen my spiritual practice and really at that time start a spiritual practice. Yoga is what connected me to myself and to a higher power. And I think it has a beauty within that that can allow that to happen. And then I found who is now one of my best girlfriends through that certification practice. And we went on to lead retreats for the following couple years together. We would do one each season typically, or at least one in spring and summer together. And that was just fun. We'd get women together. We could each bring different strengths to these retreats. And that was just a great memory and a great experience getting to lead and host retreats and events and bring women together through yoga. And then I did teach for about six, seven months while I was pregnant with Forrest. And then I stepped away from that. And that was a great experience too. I did it because I wanted to push myself and say, hey, I have this. Am I capable? And I was. It was really fun. And I've actually been thinking about if I can find the time sometime in the next year or so, I'd love to teach for a local studio. One, so I can both be a part of the community and get involved in that way and remember these skills and build on it, but also too, to help me get a pass and be able to go to the studio more often. It helps financially in that way often, but there's a lot you can do. There's so much that yoga opens the door for both within your inner self and then externally to the world. So let's dive into this episode with Krista Davis and get your mind expanded and your heart excited to follow your passions, maybe to check out yoga, get out on your mat and bring your light into the community through Krista's story and just feel inspired and excited for life, even through the hards, the challenges, the beauties, the beautiful times. All of it is worthy, and we are on a journey together. So enjoy. Welcome, the lovely Krista, to the Live Wildly podcast. I am so excited that you are here because when I think of this podcast and people who just embody and live from their hearts and their authentic self, you are someone that came to front of mind. And I speak often about how much yoga has changed my life, has impacted me so deeply that I, of course, had to ask you on. So thank you so much for your time and the gift of your wisdom as we talk here today. And I wanted to start off with just asking you about your background and your story and what has led you here. Well, thank you so much for having me, Olivia. It is just such a pleasure to see you creating this wonderful podcast and sending this information out to the world. I love seeing what our holistic yoga school graduates have done over time and all the different ways that you share yourself and share your, your wisdom. So thank you for having me. You are so welcome. Yes. 
Absolutely. Well, I I feel like the universe kind of lays out a map for us in our lives. And I certainly feel like my whole life, of course, has led me to where I am. So sometimes when I answer this question, it can get a little bit long <laughs> and detailed. But I think that when I reflect on what has brought me to my current profession and my career today, I always go back to even when I was a young child, um, anyone who would ask me, what what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? And I always had just one answer, which was that I wanted to help people. And that was always my answer. And I never really knew for sure how that would unfold. And it, it did in many different ways through my life. I was very lucky to be actually exposed to just some wonderful communities and wonderful people as a child. I I went to a home daycare from when I was only a few months old until I was five, where the woman who was running the daycare was very much a yogi. And I don't think that I realized that fully until I was an adult looking back on that experience. But she did yoga with us and she taught us about even things like the chakras and energy. And um, we did yoga. I just always knew that I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. I didn't know exactly how that would come to be people and animals and nature, I've always just felt really connected with the the living beings and just wanting to give back and help. Uh, my childhood certainly supported that. And although I didn't fully realize it until I was a, an adult, I, I reflect now in that a lot of my caretakers and caregivers as a child exposed me to yoga and meditation and healthy lifestyle at, at a really young age. Um, but I, I went on to, to study psychology and I always in the back of my mind, in my heart, I kind of felt like I was a social worker of sorts. So I did study psychology and I went into the field of social work right away after I, I graduated with my degree in my bachelor's degree in psychology. And at that time, that was a great way for me to help, to help and give back. But I've always been really interested in yoga and meditation and nature since I was a child. And that has always been kind of a hobby in the background. Um, so even as a teenager and then through college and in the early part of my career, I was always practicing yoga and doing meditation and especially being really called to spend time in nature, exploring natural health and wellness. And I wanted to take that somewhere. I really wanted to provide some kind of a, a helpful guide for others to be able to bring balance and health into their lives through natural means. So I was always really interested in what kind of natural techniques we can use to help enhance just our joy of living, but also our health and wellness and vitality. And as a social worker, I was able to impact people, um, but kind of within the realm of 
you know, the rules and regulations and not always able to bring in my true calling, which I think is really about helping people to find a deeper sense of connection with their inner self and their intuition to guide their, their joy of life. So I was creating a work at that time um, in my 20s where I I envisioned it to be kind of like a book or a almost like a kit that I thought I would call it something like one month. And it was designed to be sort of like a self-help kit, but incorporating yoga and meditation and then natural techniques like certain herbs and lifestyle practices and philosophy. And I kind of thought to myself through what I had learned and studied up to that point between my psychology studies endeavors and my yoga studies that I had been doing on my own since I was a kid. And then also my direct practice of helping people who just kind of needed an extra hand, a little extra lift. The the main question was if we are striving for something in our life, whether that's physical, mental, emotional health or balance, then what if we start positioning ourselves within that vision as much as possible, like setting up our day-to-day life and believing it in ourselves and kind of setting up all the pieces that can help come together around and within us to support the change that we seek. And then I I kind of stumbled upon through an old friend, the idea of yoga teacher training immersion. This person had just come back from a, I think it was like a 21 day yoga teacher training intensive. And I ran into them randomly out and about. And I just saw her and I thought, I said to her, you're glowing. You, you look amazing. What are you doing? What have you been up to? And she said, well, I just got back from this immersive yoga experience. And I always remember she just said that it was life-changing for her and that it had really brought up a lot in her. Like it wasn't easy, but it was something that she had dedicated to her herself to and really caused a profound shift for her. And I immediately went home and searched and searched and searched. And I found a training to attend. And I I went ahead and signed up for a month-long intensive. And it was in Nicaragua. And I went and studied with several teachers at School Yoga Institute there. And I was just blown away by that experience. And I remember within that experience, just kind of thinking like, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I've been writing about. This is what... I think that I'm wanting to share with others. There was something so powerful about putting ourselves there together as a group and really just diving in for, you know, 21, 25 days straight, eating healthy, meditating every morning, practicing yoga, learning about ways to improve our health, well-being, and also to share that with others. And at the end of that program, I was blown away when I looked around at the group around me. I just thought that that was some of the most powerful transformation I have seen in others in such a quick amount of time. And I myself also felt deeply cleansed and I felt the healthiest I had ever felt in my life. 
So ultimately, I went back, I went back to my life and my job as a social worker. And I I was certified in yoga at that point. So I started teaching here and there and sharing it more and more. And the next several years, you know, were uh, an, a journey of intense study. I went and accessed multiple different trainings, got thousands of hours of teacher training, but also living my own life and working. And eventually, over time, I began to actually facilitate yoga teacher trainings for schools, and I started developing my own curriculum. And within that, I realized that the work I had been creating, the book I had been creating, it was the perfect prelude to a yoga manual. And that is kind of what ultimately created our first 200-hour teacher training was this book that I had started many years back that was supposed to be called something like one month. (laughs) I didn't really know exactly what I was writing it for at that time, but it kind of came full circle. And I realized that yoga and meditation and this natural wellness path that yoga is rooted in is a wonderful platform for helping people And so that's ultimately, I think what I realized is that my calling is to use yoga to help others. Wow, Krista, I am blown away. I love to hear those synchronicities like that you ran into that person and how these pieces come together. I think we often can worry or or like not know that future, right? You're creating that book and where is this going to lead me in a way, but you just kind of walked it and then you saw this empowerment that it gave. And I think that is just beautiful. And from taking your teacher training, my life has profoundly changed. I hope to come back to your teacher training in the next few years too, and enhance what I've learned because it literally does change your life and who you are and how you think and how you are embodied. And so I want to ask, you know, you talked a lot about helping others. This this is your heart's work. I'm curious how yoga supported you. You know, how has this really, if you can look internally, what changes or shifts has it provided to you? Yeah. Thank you. That's a beautiful question. You know, I think that one of the things that really drew me to this as a healing practice after knowing um, so much about all a lot of different techniques that can be used to help others, the thing that I love most about sharing yoga and meditation with people as a form of helping is that they don't need anything external to um, receive the benefit. So you can literally do yoga meditation anywhere, anytime. You don't even have to have a mat. You certainly don't have to buy a whole bunch of fancy equipment, um, take a pill or get a surgery in order to receive the health benefits of yoga. And so not only has that been one of my biggest draws for helping others, because I see how deeply empowering that is, but I think that has probably been One of the greatest ways that cultivating a life around yoga has supported myself is just really teaching me to go inwards and to be intuitive and to trust my intuition, to listen to my body, my breath as a guide. Um, I teach my students that the guru is within and the guru is in our breath and in our own hearts. And so I would say that's probably 
One of the biggest ways that cultivating a life around yoga has supported me personally is just helping me to feel more empowered in myself um, to make healthy choices and to understand what that what that really means. It's such a deep um, science and art form that I oftentimes feel like I could study yoga for lifetimes, many lifetimes. And so the more I learn, the more I see my own life being positively affected by yoga. And so, you know, I use Ayurveda in my daily routine and my dietary choices. And I feel like I, you know, yoga has helped me to just have this deep sense of connection with healthy choices that I can make for myself um, and my family and my surroundings every single day. That makes sense. And as you speak about having a family, you're a mother of two beautiful girls. I'm curious how yoga and your yoga practice supported you through your pregnancies and also now as you're a parent and as you're raising your babies. Yeah, thank you. It's um, been definitely the most amazing journey of my life is, has been motherhood. I've taken many journeys and this one has been the most powerful and by far the most challenging with lots of unexpected <laughs> twists and turns. I'm sure you can relate as yes. a mother yourself. Through my pregnancies, I think yoga helped in maybe some of the more, you know, some of the obvious ways and some of the more subtle ways. So I felt like I had really, you know, a strong spine through my pregnancies and I felt like I didn't experience a lot of like the back pain that can come with bearing a child, with carrying a child. And I always attributed that to just the physical practices of yoga. So in my body, I felt really, really strong through my pregnancies for the most part. Of course, we all have our different experiences and and I certainly, it wasn't always like an easy um, experience, but I could feel the physical benefits of yoga really serving me as I went through my pregnancies, not to mention just things like breath awareness, breathing becomes much different when you're pregnant. And so I felt like yoga breathing was always really helpful. But even more important, I think, during pregnancy was this, that deep sense of body awareness and intuition that I was referring to before, that yogis in general tend to be more acutely aware of you know, changes and shifts in, in our bodies. And we tend to notice kind of things maybe before they become a problem, can feel little changes because we spend so much time being mindful, mindfully moving on our mats. And so in my pregnancy, I always, you know, felt like that was very helpful that certainly makes sense. Thank you for sharing that because it is such a journey. Your body changes so much. And I definitely felt the benefits of doing yoga as well while I was pregnant. And just that even like spiritual connection too to your baby on a different level that I think the container of yoga and breath work provides as well was just such a beautiful experience. 
And I know you also teach kids yoga and you have a lot of background in this and certifications. I'm curious how you share yoga with your own children and how you see, if any, how is that an ally to them? Is it helpful? And what benefits or even challenges you might see sharing this love and this practice with them? Yeah. And I, I agree with the, the spiritual side of pregnancy was just so beautiful. Um, and we work with a, a Swami here locally in Loveland named Swami Yogacharya Dharmananda. And he was very present at our yoga studio in school throughout my pregnancies. And I always remember that he would say, your baby feels what you feel and receives the messages from what you're thinking and how you're breathing. And so just having those reminders through pregnancy was a great way to become connected energetically with my daughters. And I tried to, again, provide them this sanctuary in that early part of their development as much as I could. Of course, we all have the stressors of life that get thrown at us. And when we're pregnant, they they seem to come more or more intensely at times. And so just having that grounding to return to. But you know, yoga also, I think, teaches us, you know, it's okay to not always be perfect and things don't always go as we planned and that flexibility. And I would say that that is also a, a huge benefit of yoga it, with regards to parenting is I think a lot of people think of yoga as a, something that we do so that we can touch our toes, you know, or win the next headstand competition or <laughs> do some cool body tricks. but. Beyond that, I think that the flexibility, the mental, emotional, and energetic flexibility that yoga teaches us is so helpful for parenting. I think that it has helped me to really ebb and flow with whatever the next moment brings with my kids. Um, and we know that, you know, kids aren't very linear. They're always changing and moving and growing in different ways. Sometimes it seems the only linear thing about developing as a child is your height slowly increasing. But other than that, they're variable, ever-changing, and in so many ways, very unpredictable. So yoga has really taught me to be flexible with um, parenting and with my children in the same way that I am with my students and teaching a holistic approach to yoga. And then another thing that I think yoga has helped with for not only parenting, but my pregnancies is just learning how to be comfortable with the uncomfortable, how to ebb and flow with the changes and even get through difficult, strenuous times, the calm mind and by using our breath. So I share yoga with my kids in so many different ways, and I never try to force it on them, but they're very curious and they're very interested. They're, they're right now, they're four and five years old. So yoga at this age really takes the form of play, play where we get to explore bodies, different forms in, in our bodies and have some fun with sound and music and even sometimes dance and and creativity and imagination 
I share yoga with my girls. We practice together often. They really love to teach yoga to me as well. And they're getting really good at it. My oldest, Ella, I'll sometimes hear her, you know, either doing a cleansing breath on her own or guiding one outwardly for her sister or myself. <laughs> it's very sweet that that they already have those skills. I want to follow up on that and just even get your advice as a mother and as a yoga teacher, I being a mama three now, I just really struggled to find time to do my yoga practice, to sit and breathe, especially with a nine month old and hearing that your kids can teach you and are so involved. I would be really curious to hear just how have you managed to continue your practice and also share it with them. For me, I'd love to, like, this is goals. This excites me. And yeah, if you can speak on that a little bit, I think me and probably a lot of other moms would love to hear. Yeah, this was really difficult for me as well, especially having my kids so close together. So, you know, I had my first baby and then I found out that I was pregnant with my second baby when she was only six months old. So they were really, they were born 15 months apart. And it was really, in, in many ways, it was quite overwhelming. And it's one of those things that as parents, we probably understand, but it's really hard to put it into words, like how your daily schedule really changes so much when you have one, not to mention two young children in your life. And up until I had my daughters, I had a very, very consistent meditation practice. And I would meditate every day not always necessarily at the same time, but I always made sure that I did my meditation every day. And I would sit and always do, you know, at least 15 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes of breath work and relaxation and maybe some visualization and intention setting. And when my daughters were born, I realized that that just was not possible anymore with our new routine and our new schedule. For a while, I let it go completely and it felt like I was missing something in my life. I realized eventually that even if I could just sit down for five minutes in the midst of whatever was going on, it was better than nothing. So even though before pre-children, I had my perfect altar and I could light three candles and get the space set up as beautifully as possible before I started my meditation. That is just impossible with these little kids running around. You can't light a candle. There's too many flying objects, you know? Mm -hmm. so, yes. <laughs> there's just so much going on with kids and that's how they should be. And so instead of letting my practice go completely, I just decided as soon as I have a chance, I'll just sit down no matter what's going on and I'll do my five minute meditation. And so I would, I would just sit in the middle of them playing in the middle of whatever was going on and close my eyes and set my hands in the mudra. And I would let them know, you know, I'm going to meditate right now. And you're welcome to, welcome to play quietly nearby, but for just a few minutes, Mama, I'm going to I'm going to just be quiet and sit quietly and just be peaceful and just breathe. And so I would do that and I noticed most of the time they would be very 
you know, kind of understanding of that. And they would even kind of tell each other, shh, mama's meditating, you know. And then sometimes they would come and join. Sometimes they would crawl all over me. Sometimes they would get out, you know, the musical instruments in the closet and make a big scene. But I just stayed, tried to just stay anchored for those few minutes. And ultimately, I think that really is like the true teaching of yoga, isn't it? It's just finding that peace amidst whatever might be going on in life, whatever chaos or distractions exist around us. And in hindsight, I think that was probably a great teacher for them as well, that meditation is just sitting quietly, even if it's just for a few, a few minutes. That's really helpful. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I think we can all find five minutes to sit no matter the chaos or kids around and just start to set the expectations and they see the benefits and then that shows up and they go, huh, maybe I should try to do that. So that was a lot of really good, helpful information you just shared. Thank you for that. And I am going to start asking you more around your holistic yoga school that you run and own. And I'm so curious, what does holistic mean to you in this context? And what do you incorporate into your teaching programs that reflect this? Because this is a big reason I was drawn to your school over many others was this realization. And again, this holistic nature and aspect that you bring. So I'd love if you could share a little bit about that. Absolutely. So holistic means taking into account, accounting for all the parts of something rather than dissecting or picking apart just one small component to look at. And so when we talk about holistic yoga, this means that the practice, it's a practice of yoga that allows for the exploration of all the parts of a person's existence, of their beingness. And holistic yoga practice allows space to explore not only the physical body, but also what we would call in yoga philosophy, yoga science, the mental body, the emotional body, energetic body, and spiritual bodies. And just recognizing that all of those multi-layered experiences of our existence can be explored and balanced within a yoga practice. Oftentimes we think of yoga as a physical practice, but in holistic yoga, we see that most or everything I might I might stretch to say that exists on a physical level also has an underlying seed there's this lovely saying, we all have issues in our tissues, right? So (laughs) we have tension in our body that is oftentimes related to tension that we're experiencing on the mental, emotional, energetic, or spiritual level. So only addressing that tension in the physical tissues, it, in my opinion, doesn't fully heal the issue. And so a holistic yoga practice invites us to go a little bit deeper to try to find the seed of some of those physical issues that exist, but also recognizing that just the very nature of a 
yoga practice that invites space for exploring mental, emotional, spiritual health brings the practitioner into a uh, more of a smooth, even flowing, energetic state of being. And when you're in that state, everything comes into balance more easily. So if we're trying to practice, for example, tree pose, we might think that we're just trying to balance on one foot in the physical dimension. But ultimately, if we also have a calm and quiet mind and smooth breathing, it's going to be easier to balance on that one foot. Um, so it's not just about the foot, but it's about all of the the layers. It's not just about the strength of your leg that you're standing on, but about how you're breathing and what you're thinking that contributes to the physical expression of the yoga postures and the practice as well. It is so deep. It amazes me just having the reflection and the realization that there are four bodies and that yoga can touch all of these aspects is something that's so profound that I think is often overlooked. And there is something that surprised me when I was going through my teacher training was learning that there is actually eight limbs of yoga and not to say you need to name all these eight limbs, but could you speak a little bit about this and the differences that I think most of us just know yoga, which is the asana, the physical practice. Um, just if you could share more about those other limbs and this other holistic aspect and how they can influence one's life. Yeah. So the thing I love about yoga science and also Sanskrit and yoga philosophy is that there's such a depth to what the learning, the knowledge and wisdom that's available to us. So Oftentimes we might think of yoga as one thing, but then if we look at some of the ancient scriptures and texts and philosophy behind it, we see, you know, that there are multiple layers. So you mentioned like the four bodies earlier, and you can actually study like the koshas, which show us that there's even more than four bodies or layers or, you know, sheaths to our existence. And the yoga philosophy in a similar way is just vast. And so the eight limbs of yoga have great historical significance in yoga, and they come from some of the ancient texts. Um, we can see them broken down in the yoga sutras, which is one of the texts that you studied in your 200 hour yoga teacher training that we always teach about in our 200 hour trainings. And the eight limbs are kind of like a, a map of for the yogi to ultimately to reach a state of what we would call liberation. The third limb is asana, as you mentioned, and asana means physical yoga posture. And that's what most people in the West in America think of when they, when you say yoga, most people will think of the physical postures on the mat, maybe even sort of almost like in a gym setting with mirrors and, or, you know, kind of trying to achieve a physical form in your body, which is a part of, of yoga. But many people don't realize that if you are a yoga student, who's really wanting to take it all the way, there are eight 
entire limbs that you can study and practice and that asana or physical postures are just one eighth of of that um, full picture and so the first two are about kind of our I, I look at these as sort of like our purification practices both inwards and outwards and how we live our lives they talk about things like ahimsa which is nonviolence or harmlessness and truthfulness and um, so kind of in some ways the ethics of yoga non-stealing moderation for example as well we have some internal practices of purity contentment self-discipline as just a few examples of the niyamas and those are the first two limbs that are taught from the yoga sutras and in the ashtanga path and so there's this idea that the yogi does some groundwork actually before they even get to the point of doing the physical practices so we see that yoga is not just about the physical practices on the mat but also about how we live our lives both internally in our own bodies and and how we live in the world and then we have yoga asana the postures as the third limb beyond that we start to get into breath regulation which many yogis are familiar with oftentimes we get some pranayama or breathing practices when we go to yoga classes or practice yoga on our mats that is a, a really important method um, and being connected with pranayama or regulation of breath that's the fourth limb and then after that, we go into more of a spiritual realm. The last four limbs are more internal and more meditative. And so we start to talk a little bit more about meditation techniques like sense withdrawal and concentration on one object. We see that as the progression of yoga that is taught by the eight limbs it starts with kind of ourselves and how we're living our lives. Then it moves into the physical practices and the breath control. But ultimately, the true goal of yoga is to move then into the meditative aspects of yoga. And it is through that learning concentration and meditation that ultimately a yogi can then attain Samadhi, that's the eighth limb, the final limb, sometimes translated as transcendent superconsciousness. But we get glimpses of samadhi in our in our daily life. And it doesn't have to be kind of this overwhelming idea of something that's difficult to attain because yoga in itself, when a yogi is is practicing the eight limbs, then they start to live more and more in this liberated state in their daily life. And that is the beauty and the benefit of the last four limbs of yoga, which are more focused on that internal journey of peacefulness and meditation. And it's interesting that asana is the thing that we most directly tend to associate with yoga is the physical postures. And they certainly are 
a part of that process. Um, and one thing that they do is that they help to release tension in our body and help us to learn to control our bodies and our breath so that we can then move more into meditation. That's extremely helpful. I am amazed by your wisdom and how much you, you can just tell, you know, this very well, and you are practicing this. And to your point of that, a lot of yoga is not done on the mat. Can you share how you live your yoga in a way that yes, these practices and these limbs that you just shared, how do you show up, I guess, in your day to day when you're not on your mat, but could you share a little bit how you live your yoga, how we can bring it into our life in a deeper way outside of our mat? Absolutely. And this is really just the whole point of yoga is to bring the gifts of it off of our mats and into our lives. I always say that I don't practice yoga to be able to twist myself into a pretzel. I practice yoga because it makes the rest of my life better. And yoga is actually a word that, a Sanskrit word that means union, yoke to yoke yoga has that root, root word of yoke, and it means bringing together, uniting. So on our yoga mats, that can take many forms. You might feel that union that is at the root of yoga when you unite your breath with your body, or perhaps it's when you feel that glimpse of spiritual awareness as you're practicing yoga. Those are forms of unity that we might feel on the mat. Even when we start to get more connected with our physical bodies, we are uniting our awareness. We're creating mindfulness in our movements. So those are all examples of unity. And I think that when we move from our physical practice into the world, this unity can be found everywhere. But probably the greatest opportunity that I think we can try to achieve when we bring our yoga off the mat is to find unity between ourselves and those around us. You know, seeing ourselves reflected in others and recognizing that we all share consciousness and awareness and we all you know, even though we seemingly have very different experiences, depending on where we live and how we live and who we are, ultimately, human beings share this beingness. And when you're connected to your own beingness, your inner self, it's easier to see that reflected in those around you, even in those difficult, stressful scenarios and situations. So I think that yoga can really bring a nice compassion and softness into our communities and into the world that we live in. The practice on the mat helps us to be more mindful when we're not on our yoga mat and the day-to-day -day choices that we're making, whether that's how we eat or our lifestyle choices or how we give back to those around us. And so it all goes back to unity at the end of the day. And I think that just practicing anything that we practice for ourselves is then going to be easier to share outwardly and more authentic as we 
go into our lives and our worlds. That was beautifully said. Wow. That was a really full answer and just Yes. How can we bring this into our lives and find union within ourselves so we can find union within each other and just this respect that I think we often lose sight of in this day to day as we rush and we're stressed and we're so focused maybe on our internal selves and our immediate family and friends that there is this bigger connection between us all that these practices can help remind us of. So thank you for sharing on that. And this is kind of a big question. I feel I'm just curious because I think a lot of us are so stressed. We struggle to find relaxation or just a sense of peace. If you could just offer one foundational practice from yoga, it could be a breath piece or a type of asana. What do you think would be supportive for someone who is just looking to find a little bit of relaxation or grounding even? Yeah, the nice thing about yoga is that there are so many different ways that you can practice it, but that can also be quite overwhelming for someone who is just starting to perhaps dip their toes in into yoga and trying to figure out what it looks like for themselves. And so I think a great starting place is perhaps to find a couple of techniques that work really well for you. For many people, just Basic breath awareness can be a really helpful thing to bring into their daily life. And many of us are breathing kind of incorrectly. We've sort of conditioned ourselves to be breathing in a stressed, um, shallow way. We've been conditioned um, from our, our lives and the stresses of life, as you mentioned. And so just starting to take some more slow and deep breaths down into the belly region and this is something that we can do any time that we need a reset. It's said that the moment you start to focus on your breathing, you've already started to meditate. So it doesn't even have to be a fancy type of breathing, but just taking a pause and letting yourself feel your breath and then just breathing a little bit more fully. And I think that people will really feel a shift there. And that is just a basic, small practice, but it is yoga. Um, so one of my favorite things to do is just to make yoga easier for people, more accessible um, so that it doesn't feel like we have to drive across town and have 90 minutes to dedicate to a class. It's wonderful if you can do that, but if that isn't possible for, for everyone right now, then just remembering you always have your inner guru in your breath and you can always return to it. And then beyond that, I think if people are looking for a nice accessible, like entry level physical yoga practice, then I would try to find gentle yoga, hatha yoga to start out with. And there's so many different platforms now. You can live stream classes. You can find classes on YouTube. There's lots of different paid membership platforms online now. You could find a, a virtual teacher or a studio. It's really important to support yoga studios and gyms. And so if you're kind of the type of person that likes to go in somewhere and be a part of a class or a community, then try to find perhaps a gentle or a hatha class to start out with. Vinyasa can be really nice for people who 
enjoy a little bit more of a physical challenge or a cardiovascular workout as well. So maybe a, a beginner level vinyasa would be a good starting place. And for anybody who's interested in meditation right now, I'm generally recommending to start out with exploring some yoga nidra. It's a very well-researched meditation technique that can provide a, a really great reset for the nervous system. Um, it can be practiced anywhere between 10 minutes up to an hour. And oftentimes people will incorporate it as a part of like a bedtime routine. I think in our current culture, day and age, our society, everyone just needs some time to reset our nervous systems and to relax. So Yoga Nidra is a wonderful platform for that, that I think is really accessible because you get to lay down on your back and um, it's called Deep Yogic Sleep. So it's very restorative and rejuvenating to all the parts of our physical, mental bodies. That is really helpful. Thank you for sharing all about that. And even just as you were saying, we should remember to breathe into our bellies. Oh, just even just starting to do that starts to shift just how you feel. I become more present. I become a little softer. So yes, all of you listeners, I hope you start to do some belly breathing as you're listening as well and check out all those recommendations that Krista offered. And I want to hear how you trusted yourself as you followed the path of a yogi to become a business owner. I think there's so many of us that really struggle with trusting what our heart is asking or imposter syndrome, all these things that, and fears that keep us from maybe walking the path that we really would love to. I'm just so curious. You are so heart-led, embodied, confident in who you are. Do you have any advice or could share a little bit about how you really trusted yourself as you walked this path? That's a great question. Thank you for asking that because I think it is really important and insightful. It takes a big leap of faith, of course, to try and follow your heart when it comes to professional endeavors. And it takes a lot to kind of go against the grain of our culture and society and what we think of as being, you know, the boxes that we have to fit into, um, whether that's the workplace or the roles that we play in our lives or our families or in general, we we have a lot of, of pressures in this world that don't always make it easy to follow a person's passion and especially in the field of healing or entrepreneurship this can be really really difficult so when you strive to share a so-called product or a business or a um, service that you feel really connected with and passionate about I think that one thing that's really important that I always teach to all of our yoga teacher trainees is first staying really connected with what brought you that passion in the first place. Like I always say, stay connected with what moves you. Um, so what is it that you feel is really important to you in the service 
entrepreneurship that you deliver and noticing, you know, ways that you can stay alive and fresh in your day-to-day excitement and, and passion so that mixing it with the stressors of money and business and taxes and all of the the details that come together when you're talking about entrepreneurship and small business, trying not to allow those things to negatively impact what brought you that passionate feeling in the first place. So staying connected with what moves you is really important. And then developing like a vision or a mission statement early on, I think is helpful because you can always return to that when things start to feel uncertain. So if you start to feel ungrounded and a lack of that deep heartfelt connection with what you're doing, returning back to kind of your original mission and seeing if You need to change something about what you're doing to better serve your mission, or sometimes your mission itself actually needs to change. So being quite flexible and flowing again with with what comes, there's always another, just similar as we talked about with parenting, there's always another surprise around the corner in small business and entrepreneurship, and it is certainly not a linear journey. There's a lot of times when you have to really think quickly on your feet and other times when you have seemingly endless details to iron out and work out for the overarching vision. So then beyond that, I think that something that has really helped me over time is to also remember that even though you might be sharing something that you're very passionate about, that is very heartfelt for you, that it can still be part of a business. It can still be a business. And there are reasons that there are entire degrees on business. And so it's important for entrepreneurs and small business owners and big business owners and all business people to educate ourselves and to take measures to help ourselves feel confident in what we deliver and what we do. And so Ever since the beginning, I've really tried to stay up on many different types of like business classes. There's some really great things that you can find online that you can take and resources. And here in Larimer County, we have a wonderful small business development center and they offer a multitude of courses and classes. And there's tons of literature, opportunities to understand business. And I think that the more that you understand it, the more comfortable you'll feel bringing your product into the marketplace. So starting early on when we can sometimes feel really kind of bogged down with just the beginning of a new endeavor, maybe a creation of a podcast or a business, I would say to continuously educate yourself on the nuances of what it is that you're going into and being willing to invest your time on that kind of education, but also investing in the key players, the team or the technology Things are always changing. And so I think that if you want to feel 
confident in business, it's helpful to spend some time learning the ropes so that you can then go into it and feel like you're bringing your product to the stage in a way that it can survive in this uh, ever-changing landscape of entrepreneurship and small business. Those were really practical tips. And I love that you touched on the education piece because when I think about trust, I, I think that there's, again, it comes back to this fear, but like you said, I think a lot of it's because we sometimes have this heart's desire or this idea, but we don't always take the action to learn the tangible information, education, business information that can be really overwhelming. But once you understand it, that can empower you to trust yourself more, continue to fuel your why, your mission statement. So those were great, great tips. Thank you for sharing that. It is an ever-changing, flowing life too. And just recognizing that you can change as well. Your mission can change. Your education can change and allowing that to be okay, not being so rigid too. I think when I reflect on some of my own fears or trusting, needing to trust. So thank you for reminding us of that and those resources that can help us feel empowered. I want to say also that Conscious businesses, you know, through my um, evolution and getting to where we're at today with running the holistic yoga school, we have a fabulous team of teachers and admin and staff who all kind of come together to create the life transforming programs that we offer. And it has really made me think about this concept of what I call conscious business. Um, and it is very different from what we know of as like a lot of our big corporate businesses and our, you know, super competitive um, marketplace, uh, Wall Street type of situations. But conscious business is is what I think a lot of of people like you and I and any kind of like yoga studio owners in people who are artists and healers and even, you know, doctors and any, anybody who's, um, who's doing their work, not only just to make money, but to uh, share something helpful, something profound to them with others is conscious business to me. And I just think it's important to remember that it is not immune to the same dressers and obstacles and limitations of any other kind of business. And so I think that we might have a tendency to think that like running a yoga studio would be just sitting there drinking tea and, <laughs> and meditating all day. But even people who go into this field have to read contracts and write contracts and deal with rent expenses and and the laws of their profession and the trade and the regulations and staffing and payroll and all of those details are still a part of conscious business. And so I think that my overarching message is just to, I guess, to realize that anything that we we take upon ourselves professionally um, requires that careful professional eye upon it. Um, and that's where I think that 
educating ourselves on the marketplace that we're stepping into and doing the best job that we can to create something that will thrive within that marketplace and also for our own selves is is really important. I think that one of the best training, small business trainings that I ever did was called Avoiding the Owner's Trap. And I was really glad that I did that very early on in my entrepreneurship because I don't think at that point I would have realized how important it is to set your your business up so that you can be hands off when you need to be, you know, and so those little things that can really make a big difference in the long run, they take time and attention, but it's worth it because that's really the the true freedom of entrepreneurship is in being your, your own boss and having the freedom to come and go. And I think that's something that can be really hard for small business owners is when they start to feel like, you know, they're the only ones that can run the business. And that's why I think investing in people, teams, and technology are so important. Those are really great, helpful tips. And I'm going to look that up as well. Just, I'm so curious by that, that training that you did. And thank you for sharing because as much as this episode and everything you shared is all about yoga, right? And and like you said, a lot of us like to think that we can just take our heart's desire or maybe we have a certification and create a business. It takes a lot of work and effort to run said business. And that is a piece that we should also know and start to learn about. Do you have any other tips or thoughts around that side of the house that you want to share before we move into our wild heart questions? I think just try and see what happens when you say yes. You know, I think that there's a lot of fear in taking leaps of faith sometimes. And if you're really following your heart and your true passion, then the universe will present you opportunities along that path. And so open those doors when they're in front of you and and say yes whenever possible. Those are really great reminders. Thank you. Yes. Say yes, go for it. Make the leap. You will be trusted if you know, you're really showing up and listening as well. Thank you, Krista. Yeah. I think just one more thing on that topic is that in conscious business, we come to a, a new understanding of what really is abundance. And I think that as we've all heard through our lives, if you're doing what you love, that really is true abundance. That makes sense. And don't let the education business side scare you from doing what you really love. You know, while it's a very important side of the house and it can empower you, I think don't let the fear stop you too from learning that side, even if you feel like it can be too much or that's not how you think, or let me just follow my passion and it will all come to place. There is this balance that can be struck. With that, let's move to our wild heart questions that I ask all of my guests. And the first one is being on the Live Wildly podcast. Could you say how you yourself choose to live wildly? Oh, I think that I I do lately I've been doing more of like the small little living wildly <laughs> things that I, that my current life allows me to with my two young children and where I'm at. My favorite thing is to just like not have an agenda for the day and see 
where life takes us. And um, oftentimes I will say that that just brings me into my garden to helping nurture our little farm and caring for the livestock and the, and the plants and the nature around us. So for me, living wildly oftentimes is just being connected with the wildness of, of nature and being present with it. So lately I just try to like turn off my devices and ignore the world for a while and just see where nature takes me, where, what am I meant to do today? But honestly, I mean, some of my favorite things in life are galloping a horse across a field <laughs> and snowboarding in three feet of fresh powder. And I love that that side of like the adrenaline, the adrenaline that we can find and tap into in life that can be just so fun and uh, invigorating. And so I love to travel and experience new things and there's always a balance for that. So I feel like in recent years, I've had to find a little bit more mellow ways to live wildly. And it's really just about kind of letting life unfold before me and, and going for it, doing, doing the next thing that feels right whenever possible. That's amazing. And I love that. And I love also seeing that dynamic of, yes, that galloping, that action, but in nature, but then also the gentleness, like we can live wildly being very slow, very, no agenda, very gently, you know, it, it can show up different for all of us and in different times of our life. Yeah. I think even just like taking a day off and not having a plan for some of us can feel kind of wild. Like, but, so um, much. Yes. Yes. <laughs> just stop and do something different than your day to day can really be a game changer. Yes. The next question is who or what currently inspires you? Oh, I'm so inspired by my girls, my daughters and my family. They teach me, they are my, my gurus, you know, they're my teachers. And I, I feel so inspired by their potential and their curiosity, um, their love of life, and the mystery of of where this life will take them. It's so much fun to explore different things with them, encourage them along their interests, and then that helps me to to find mine as well. Lately, we've been playing the flutes. So I was gifted this beautiful wooden flute by one of my students who, who lives with a flute maker and they're created in the beautiful tradition, a native tradition here in Colorado. And I hadn't really gotten my flute out much until my daughters pulled out their little kind of toy wooden flutes. And now we've incorporated that into our, our day. And I find there to be just such a beautiful thing to take a break and just sit and create some music without even having to know what you're doing. <laughs> so, you know, they always, they always tend to find themselves in, in involved in some kind of awesome curiosity or art. And I feel really inspired by being a part of their growth and the magic that I can see in their eyes and it's a really special time to be around kids at this age. And so I'm just trying to really embrace that and take my inspirations from them. And then they inspire me to be the best person I can to 
help guide them along their path as well. I'm very inspired by my husband, who is just an amazing dad. And I, I'll, I just appreciate seeing his playfulness and his wonderful explanations for their amazing questions. And I'm, I'm, I'm so inspired by how um, these kids can come into our lives. And maybe we didn't really know how to be parents, but kind of learn it as we go by following their lead. You're so right. They're such magical little beings and the biggest teachers and the biggest heart openers. And also the biggest, I think, make us face our, you know, hardest parts of ourselves too and and learn and grow together. But I love that your family is so inspiring to you right now and that you can cultivate a life around joy and just music and having the time together. And if you could impart one supportive lesson or tip to help listeners on their path, be their most whole selves. I think this whole episode will do that, but what would it be? What would you share? Yeah, I think just like, do you be yourself? You know, I think that as we've talked about so many beautiful topics today, I think one thing that we haven't touched on is just how also life isn't always just so happy and easy and perfect. And we all have our lightness and our darkness that we carry, and we all have our unique situations. And I just want people to feel comfortable in their own skin, regardless of like their circumstances and and knowing that we all sometimes end up in hard times, hardships. There's parts of each of us that maybe if we really sit down and think about, we'd want to change or improve. And, but nobody wants to live in a world where everybody is the same. And I just appreciate all of the different aspects of people's personalities that they bring into this life in this world. I think my tip to be your whole self would be to just give yourself a gigantic hug and tell yourself, I, I love myself exactly as I am right now with all my imperfections and my perfections and to do you to the best of your ability, uh, free from, from worry about about that, because I think that when people really bring their authentic selves out, then they feel more whole. So I don't know if that answers your question. That was beautiful. And I think I'm like, let's just sit with that for a moment because wow. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Be your whole self, your unique self, and know that that's enough, that there's Yes, there's societal expectations and all these things, and maybe you're not exactly what you hoped for or want to be, but you are enough and you're doing amazing things and life can be so hard, but it's okay. It's okay to honor all aspects of life and just where you are planted now. Can you begin to bloom even if things aren't exactly as you expected? So I think that was a wonderful tip. I couldn't have said it better. So yes, that was great, Krista. Thank you. And you are just wonderful. And I really want you to share how people can work with you, come to your school, learn yoga. What are your current offerings right now? I We have many different offerings through the Holistic Yoga School. We have a, a wonderful, sweet retreat center up here in Loveland that is an old farmhouse still owned by the same family that 
has owned it for for so long. The landlord was born, you know, she came home to that house from the hospital when she was very first born. And it's on hundreds of acres of just beautiful, pristine wilderness. The retreat center is called Wildernest. And it is uh, a big, big old farmhouse that's been converted into a retreat center and holistic yoga school gets to use it. You can find find us there in Loveland where we offer in-person opportunities for anything from drop-in yoga and meditation class to workshops. Um, We do both introductory level workshops as well as continuing ed workshops for yoga teachers. We offer retreats about once every quarter, about four times a year, we offer retreats. And then we are always working with one group of yoga teacher trainees. So currently we are working with a 300 hour advanced yoga teacher training group. They're getting ready to finish up their program next week. And then we'll move into a summer intensive training, which starts on July 9th. It's a very unique opportunity for receiving a 200 hour yoga teacher certification in just 25 days. And we only offer that intensive format every other year. So we're getting ready to offer that here this summer, um, July 9th through August 2nd. We have a few spots left in that program. We won't take more than 12 students, so we keep it nice and small. And that's a good way to maintain some of the traditions of yoga and really be quite supportive of our students in their daily practice and learning endeavors. Yeah, we're always offering a 200 or 300 hour in-person training. All of our programs are also available now in an online hybrid format. So we have a wonderful online platform where people can take a yoga teacher training primarily online, but also can plan to come in person for some classes and be with us physically in the studio as well. And then we have a couple of destination retreats every year. So this winter we'll do a retreat at the, at a hot springs near Redstone, Colorado. And we do a Guatemala retreat every, every couple of years as well. That's wonderful. And to all of you listeners, I cannot recommend Krista's and her school's program enough. So if you're at all interested, sign up, check her out, check them out. And yes, thank you, Krista. I'm so grateful for your time today, for all your wisdom. I hope to have you back on one day, but yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Olivia. I just love your podcast. You're doing great work and I really appreciate you inviting me on to spend some time together today. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the Live Wildly podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. It goes a long way to helping gain new listeners and fills my heart to see your reviews every time it comes through. It just keeps me inspired and going on this journey. And if you'd like to learn more or follow Olivia further, you can check me out at www.olivia-ashley.com. And just there's a lot there that you can check out and you can learn more about the podcast episodes. You can also follow along on Instagram at wildlyolivia or 
at Live Wildly Podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate all of you listeners, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks again.